Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Tuesday, January 30th, 10.27 p.m. My name is Josh Molnex. On today's show, Georgia Tech, W, South Carolina, W will tell you who they beat here in just a second and more top 25 action on the men's and women's side. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me. Josh, it's been life's been good for the North Carolina Tar Heels for Hubert Davis's squad until until they head to Georgia Tech on the road. The then nine and eleven, now ten and eleven. Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets seventy four seventy three over number three UNC, handing them their first ACC loss. RJ Davis was awesome, just about nobody else was. So. Uh, first loss in conference play for UNC and a very nice win for a Georgia Tech team that doesn't have very many of those this year. They got the two wins that matter most, though. They beat Duke. They beat North Carolina. Counts for something. Especially I suppose, when, man. Especially when you're trying to build a program and you're starting mm-hmm. where Damon Stoudemire is starting. You've got something to point to and something to believe in. So, yeah. Really cool they've, moment. They've twice since... Christmas. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, twice since Christmas. Clemson. And they beat Clemson. They beat Duke, Clemson, and North Carolina. Yeah. What a, what a time to be alive. It's, what a time to be alive. It's a strange series of results and, yeah, overall resume Georgia Tech has, that's for sure. It was one of those games, though. I mean, they were 9-20 from three. They just kept making plays. There was a stretch there where Kyle Sturdivant just couldn't miss. Mm-hmm. Their bench was fantastic. And I, I, this is, again, one of those where I just sometimes it happens. It, it just mm-hmm. seemed like destiny that they were going to win this game. The way that they just kept responding every time North Carolina rallied, every time North Carolina looked like they were going to escape. R.J. Davis makes the play to give them the lead. George Tech goes right back down, gets the bucket, and then gets the stop. I think Davis was probably followed on that last shot. It was a well-designed play by Hubert Davis. He doesn't get the call. It wasn't a stunningly blatant miss, so I guess I'm okay with it. And, and the other thing is Harrison Ingram, Armando Baycott, need to have more of an impact. They had 17 points on 7 of, 20, 20, seven of 22 shooting. Mm-hmm. But also just the blocks that Georgia Tech had, the way that they controlled the interior at times, you just didn't feel like Armando Baycott had a big presence in this game. And that's a problem when, like you said, Elliot Cadeau has a stinker and excuses himself with a series of fouls. And it's just R.J. Davis out there and sometimes on the road in a good conference. That's not enough. Yeah, I mean, you, RJ Davis, eleven of twenty-four. The rest of your, the rest of your starting lineup, three of fourteen, three of fourteen, four of eight, two of seven. I'm not sure it needs to be more complicated than that. It was just a bad night, coupled with a Georgia Tech night that was just good enough to, at the end of the day, still beat you barely. So right. these are these are, games exactly like this are why nobody goes undefeated in conference play at the high major level, no matter how good you are. 
and how bad some of the teams that you play are, um, at some point you're going to get caught and UNC did tonight. Yeah. There's no reason to freak out or panic. If they would have given up 65 points, they would have won the game. They gave up 74 instead. Like I said, they had an argument that they could have or should have had two free throws at the end. Duke also lost this game. It It's going to be okay. It happened. Agreed. It's going to be okay. Um, in Knoxville. You know, Josh, I've been telling you all season that Dalton Connect has fixed the Tennessee offense and we're never going to have a loss where they just can't hit the broad side of the barn because Dalton Connect is there to save the save the day. Well, Dalton Connect was here to save the day to the tune of 31-7-2 and two on 11 of 24 shooting, and Tennessee still failed to eclipse 60 points, and they lose at home to a South Carolina team that at some point, Josh, we should probably start talking about seriously because that's now a team that is 18-3 and three and has won four straight games against Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, and now they've capped it off with a road win over Tennessee. They're six and two. Lamont Paris's team is rolling, and I'm sad about what happened to Tennessee tonight. He outscored the rest of the team mm. by himself. It was mm. that bad. Mm. Hey, yeah. Zakai Ziegler, uh, who made the Bob Cousy uh, finalist list uh, over Braden Smith, was uh, 2.06 from the floor, three assists, two turnovers, just by the way. I'm not I salty about Braden Smith, that. not at all. I'm not, I'm not salty about that at all. Yeah, Santiago Vescovi was the only other player that had more than six points. They couldn't hit layups, couldn't hit free throws. Again, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. They just couldn't shoot the ball. And yeah. This for a while was a Dalton Connect is producing points at a not particularly efficient rate. So that's where I was going to kind of go with this is if everybody else is terrible and he's not spectacular, you've got a problem. You're not allowed to come onto the podcast after he has 31 and, and suggest anything wrong with Dalton Connect. Well, then, I, will, I, I will not allow it. I will not allow it. Can I finish my thought, please? I, I suppose. Then he hit two threes at the end of the game to keep them alive. The second one, which was incredible. Mm. And then it kind of changes because he went into can't miss mode. Yeah. Sure. And that's where that's where it changes, right? It went from a inefficient 22 to a relatively efficient 31. And now you're having a different conversation. That was the point I wanted to get to because well, I'm with you. And part of it is like either the, the issue with Tennessee's offense is either in years past has been either they're all really efficient or they're horrible. Like, like it's actually quite valuable. Like the only reason that they even had like a sniff of a chance to win this game was because even when he's not efficient, right. Dalton connect still finds a way to score somewhere between 20 and 25 points. Right. So that's like, of course you'd rather him be more efficient, but there's also something to be said about even when you don't totally have it, like I would probably describe it as him not totally having it for most of this game. Exactly. He still walks away with 31. Exactly. Right. That that's that's where I was going to go with this is that is very concerning if he can still put the points on the board and you can't win at home. Yeah. It's a commentary on just how bad everybody else was. And on the the South Carolina side, should give them some credit. Like you said, this team is 18 and 3. They got wins over Kentucky and Tennessee. I don't know what else they're supposed to do. I mean, they're, they're getting to the point where they have almost 
we're talking about seeding because they're already locked into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Of course, we're not there yet. It's too early, but we're getting close. Sure. With those two wins and the fact that they just show up every game and are beating most of the teams that they play. Talon Cooper was fantastic. He gets the big three that kind of decides the game. Miles Stute was efficient as well. Outside of that, not so much from an efficiency standpoint. They got some some points. But it's not like Tennessee's defense was bad. It's not like South Carolina was fantastic offensively. They made some big shots. They stayed composed. They led most of the way. But this was a this was the story of Tennessee having a game that, yeah, when when one player scores 31 points, you just don't think it's possible, and yet they still somehow found a way. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. Top 25 action. Top five teams go down uh, tonight on the men's side. On Monday night, Josh, number nine, LSU, 74, unranked Mississippi State, 77, excuse me, 73, 77. Angel Reese, 20 points, 18 rebounds, five steals. Wasn't super-duper efficient from the field, but uh, ultimately, LSU falls again, fourth loss of the season. From a box score standpoint, two things that stand out. Mississippi State, 9-17 from three. Won the third quarter by 11 points. That's where the game changed. Haley Van Lith now has eight or fewer points and three turnovers in three of her last five games. Two of those were losses to unranked teams. Mm. The interesting part of this for me that is really what I want to talk about for a second is last season's team was criticized because they didn't play anybody, right? They got their one chance against South Carolina. They lost. The only game they lost was Tennessee, a good Tennessee team in the the SEC tournament. That was it. And then – Okay, did they have to play all these one seeds to get to the to win the championship? No, but they beat Caitlin Clark and feel about last season's tournament run and what that team did, however you want to. My point is they didn't lose these kind of games. They have destroyed these two teams, Auburn and Mississippi State, now they have lost now lost to are five hundred put together in SEC play. It's, it's not like these are the top teams in the conference outside of South Carolina. Neither of them mm. are bad. But this is what the one of the interesting things about this to me because, okay, they've lost to Colorado. They lost to South Carolina. There's nothing to worry about there. They proved they could beat some really good teams in the, in the NCAA tournament last year. But now they're losing to teams that they should not and have not been losing to with this iteration kind of once Kim Mulkey got things going last season. Mm-hmm. Are you worried about their ability to go deep in March? I mean, not particularly deep being elite eight final four sweet 16 Deep being a run that wouldn't be considered disappointing. And for a team that has this much talent that won a national championship last year, like that's probably starting at elite eight. Sure. Yeah. And that's the interesting part of this is and I brought this up before you have to have two different conversations. If you're talking about what this team was supposed to be and what this team is, 
because this team, the way they are playing this season, is not a Final Four team. They are not one of the five best teams in the country. Could they get there? Absolutely. That's also not what going to the Final Four means. Right. One of the five well, best right. teams in the country. Right. So, yes, they could do that, and it still does not mean that we're to the point where they are just not one of the five best teams in the country. Mm. Absolutely, they could still get to the Final Four because, right, those two things are not the same by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're talking about where they were last season, even if you felt like they weren't actually the one of the three best teams in the country, with the talent they brought in, what they had coming back, absolutely they should be a lock to get to the Final Four, expected to be there, and that's not where we're at. Not to mention that beating teams like of the quality of Auburn, of the quality of Mississippi State, that's probably like, like the NCAA tournament is just as much as much about beating the teams that you're supposed to beat as it is beating the really good teams that you play. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so if you if we're not super convinced of that, then maybe it's a team more susceptible to the possibility of losing early in the NCAA tournament. Even and, if yeah. you are good enough on the nights against really good, t- I mean, like that Mississippi. The, I mean, excuse me, the South Carolina game was awesome. They played mm-hmm. well enough in that game to beat mm-hmm. South Carolina. South Carolina's the best team in the country. I, I I have fewer doubts, maybe even about that, than I do. Yep. Like, can you win three games early on against teams that you should win three games against early on, so that you can get to these games against the Colorados of the world? Get to these games, uh, you know, against the South Carolinas of the world and the Virginia Techs of the world and actually still be around when those games, when it's time to play those games. And we're to a point probably, or at least approaching it where it's not a question of if one, two, three seeds are going to lose in those first couple games, it's which ones, mm-hmm. right? This is part of the big development with Stanford losing last year, for example, that we've seen in the past couple seasons is we're not just kind of waiting for the sweet 16 because a four seed is going to lose before that. And maybe a two seed or something, but generally you're going to have the best team still there. We are getting much, much closer. And it's a credit to the development of and growth of women's basketball on the college side, at least that we got to have a conversation more like the men's side where it is going to happen. The question is, who is it going to happen to? And you're absolutely right. That, these kind of games are the ones that you have to win to make sure you get to a sweet 16 to an elite eight. 73 number nine, LSU 77 Mississippi state. Last but not least real quick before we get out of here, top 25 matchup in the big 12. I know you're shocked. You're stunned that there's a big, there's a top 25 matchup in the big 12, number 25 TCU, number 15, Texas tech horn frogs, 85 red Raiders, 78, Travion Tennyson, 23 points on 7 of 13 shooting. He was flanked by a Micah Peavy performance that was 18 points on 7 of 14 shooting. Uh, three other guys in double figures for TCU. It was top to bottom, just a really quality performance from TCU. And despite getting 25 from Pop Isaacs and another really, really nice game from Chance McMillan on the Red Raiders side, uh, not quite enough to get it done on the road uh, in Fort Worth. That was probably the difference in the game was both teams had two guys and TCU had the more complete performances outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. Trey Tennyson was spectacular. Your guy did his thing and hit a bunch of threes. Pop Isaacs was really good. You got both of them playing well in the same game and still didn't win. Mm -hmm. 
And that's because this is the fourth game in a row. Texas Tech has given up at least 77 points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is, and they are just simply not a good defensive team. And it hasn't mattered that much because they, to their credit, they've been able to outscore people, except for that one game at Houston where it all went horribly wrong. But that's going to happen to a lot of teams. That's fine. Now, the interesting thing for me is okay, you're in a three way tie with the loss column with Texas Tech. Sorry, with Houston and Iowa State, if you're Texas Tech. Can they clean this up defensively to give themselves a chance to stay in this race? We talked about this after the Oklahoma game. That schedule is manageable. But you're going to have trouble winning on the road in this conference if you're starting with we have to score 75 points to have a chance. And if it's mm-hmm. a bad defensive game, we got to score 80-plus to win. Yeah, You are asking for trouble. So far, they've been okay, and they've had enough good defensive performances and timed their offense where they've been able to outscore teams. This is a game that a lot of teams have lost. TCU, for whatever reason, is just really good at beating top 25 opponents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no need to panic yet. I'm just curious to see if this is a trend moving forward because to me, if Texas Tech is going to excuse themselves from this title race, it is going to be because they just aren't doing enough defensively and they're not scoring 80, 78, 80, 82 points every single game because that's just not reasonable to expect. But if they can clean things up and get back to kind of the formula that they've had, they're still very much in this. They remind me of Baylor from last year, um, a Baylor team that was excellent offensively that had the best offense in the big 12 was number two offense in the country last year. That offense was better than this Texas tech offense, but kind of the same idea of when you go through Baylor's losses last year, that was a team that was on, on certain nights, definitely good enough to win a big 12 conference title, but they end up losing seven conference games and they lose them. You know, they gave up 77, 88, 97, 76 87 75 and 73 points in those losses and they often uh, those nights oftentimes were you know if they weren't spectacular offensively then they were going to lose and maybe that's where we are with texas tech maybe not but um texas tech is clearly good enough to win this conference you don't start the way that you do that they have if you aren't but maybe it's just to your point, maybe it's just not quite the makeup of a team that wins the big 12 this year, especially when you have teams like Kansas and and Iowa state and uh, Houston that you have to go toe to toe with. And part of the problem too, is the lead is gone now. Indeed. As, as well as they have done to this point to give themselves an opportunity, you've got an awful lot of work still to do. And everybody is kind of back in this. I mean, not everybody, but Baylor's alive. Kansas is alive. Obviously, you got Houston and Iowa State up there. Maybe a BYU or a Kansas State goes on a run to get themselves back in the conversation. Maybe Oklahoma pulls it together. Nobody is really out of this yet because everybody's losing so many games and struggling to win on the road that we're almost kind of back to square one, which... If you're the teams trying to pull the upset, looking at you, Texas Tech and Iowa State specifically, not exactly where you want to be because the the two favorites are right there as well. Indeed. Anything else from the last couple of days? 
I do want to give a shout out to Houston for that win over Texas. That was big time. We we don't necessarily give teams credit for winning games like that, and I wanted to because that was just the epitome of Houston being tougher and just knowing how to win basketball games and being able to beat anybody in any environment. By the way, that's the first ranked team to win in the Moody Center, at least on the men's side. Did you know that? Uh, I did not know that. So there's your fun fact. That was a that was a huge win to get Houston back kind of in the driver's seat of the conference. And then also, we can't go without acknowledging that the Cam Jones-less fighting Shaka Smarts Blew a 20-point lead, but Tyler Kolick had 32-9, and nine, so it was all okay in the end. <laughs> and Marquette's, Marquette's, like, Mar- Marquette's percentage chance to win this game was above 90% like three different times, and it got all the way to 35% at one point. It, yeah. Oh, it was very much in the balance, and they had to come regroup and go again, and Kolick just kept hitting threes. Yeah, there you go, there you go. They they did have four other guys in double figures too, and all at a pretty efficient clip. So, do you want to have to stress that much to beat Villanova? I I don't know. I don't think Villanova's all that great. Really, you'd like to be able to go up twenty and cruise the rest of the game, but that's just not how it always works on the road. So, anything else? We got some amazing games saturday really looking forward we do to we do we're not quite there yet that is we'll true. another show thursday i need you to hold your horses i'm just i'm ready especially now north carolina lost i'm ready for north carolina duke tennessee just lost i'm ready for tennessee kentucky i'm ready he's ready it's only tuesday though so hold your horses we'll be back thursday Thank you so much for being here. It's Tuesday, January 30th right now, 10.49 p.m. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Thank you so much for being here, and we will see you tomorrow.